The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Hear now the word of God from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, starting with the first verse. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what is going on? He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As a father of two grade school children, I think I'm supposed to say that I love them both equally. I do, I do, I do. (laughs) But they're different. I love that one kid thinks and acts like me, values what I value. I love that the other kid is so not like me, not beholden to my particularities and unencumbered by what I perceive as my weaknesses. I wonder though, between the two of them, if they ever asked each other, who do you think dad loves more? Who is the beloved sibling? What sort of rules would they use to try and quantify my love, affection, favor, anger, irritation, and wrath doled out to them? My guess is that after all the calculating and reflecting, they would say to one another, I think dad loves you more. Why? Maybe it's because I've been reflecting on this passage all week. In our passage, Jesus tells a parable. A parable is a portal, a key to the kingdom of God. A parable consistently loses its meaning when taken literally at face value. A common response actually is, that makes no sense. However, for those who listen and search for the meaning, it unlocks a deeper understanding of God. In this parable, a man has two children. Their younger one approaches the father and requests his share of the inheritance. Instead of a beating and a disowning, the younger sibling receives a check, which he cashes and decides to travel. While in a distant land, due to lavish and reckless spending, the younger child uses up all his funds. To make matters worse, there is a severe famine in the land, and to make ends meet, the younger son gets a job feeding pigs. When he finds himself tempted to eat the pig feed, that is the moment he accepts the need for him to return home. After internalizing his speech, the younger child heads home. Spotting him in the distance, the father runs out to embrace his younger child. And as he begins his rehearsed speech, the father cuts him off midway and calls for a feast to celebrate the return of the lost child. The older child can make a case here 
claiming, see, dad loves you more. You asked for your inheritance while dad is still alive. You essentially said to his face, I wish you were dead so I can use the money you would leave me to do my thing. You left and lived as if you were dead. You blew through your fortune and made your way back here. And rather than getting yelled at and turned away, you received a party, new clothes, and jewelry. Dad loves you more. But the parable doesn't end with the younger child's story. It continues. After working in the field like he regularly does, the older child came home to unfamiliar sounds. There was mirth, merriment, and music in the air. Discovering that this stemmed from the celebration of the younger sibling's return made the older one cross. The father pleaded with his older child to join the party, but he resisted. After complaining that the father never gave him anything, the father replies, you are always with me, and declares that all he has belongs to the older. The younger child can make a case here claiming, see, dad loves you more. You've always been with him, always been around dad. You regularly received his favor, affection, and attention in ways I never did. He even said that everything belongs to you. Dad loves you more. Who do you say makes the better case? In the argument of who does dad love more, which one is the beloved sibling? If you look on your bulletin, this illustration on the cover is called The Two Princes, Edward and Richard in the Tower. These two brothers were the only surviving sons of King Edward IV at the time of his death. This made them heirs to the throne. However, before Edward V could ascend to the throne, both brothers were declared illegitimate. Neither ended up being coronated. To me, this picture captures the spirit of the sibling argument about who dad loves more. Both see themselves as illegitimate. That's the power of the parable. It's confounding, totally unrealistic, but reflective of who God is. As a parent myself, I'm compelled to declare that both of these children in the parable suck. <laughs> One kid demonstrates no respect or regard for me. The other kid demonstrates no respect or regard for the ones I love. Neither is better 
than the other. Yes, the younger child turned from wayward living, changing his mind and heart, but he still caught so much grief while he was away. Yes, the older child remained by my side, but coldly calculated all he perceived to have earned through his duty, all the while judging those around him. They both give heartache. I definitely don't prefer one over the other and would probably take a hard pass on both if given a choice. (laughs) I might actually argue that neither deserves to be the beloved sibling. This is what I conclude when I consider this parable through the lens of the children. But what if the focus of the story is not about them or who they are, but about the father and who he is? Consider that the younger child asked the father for his inheritance in advance, and the father agreed. Is that bad parenting? Is it a demonstration of a weak parent unable to say no? Is it a genius act of a loving parent who allows the child to freely make mistakes and learn from them no matter the cost? Whatever the case, the father acquiesces, and we know how that turns out. The kid spends everything and has nothing left. To our own sensibilities, we are left shaking our collective heads at the wasteful foolishness, thinking along the lines of, given a chance like that, I would have done differently. He does what he does, and the young child is left to figure out what to do now. And the solution he comes to is to make a deal with his father. I will acknowledge my sin and my diminished status. I will instead live a life trying to repay my debt. When the father runs out to greet the younger child, The son is only able to say, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son before his father cuts him off and calls for the killing of the fatted calf to celebrate his son's return. Two things are revealed about the father. First, the father is more prodigal than the younger son. Dictionary.com defines prodigal as wastefully or recklessly extravagant, giving or yielding profusely, very generous, lavishly abundant. This parable demonstrates the father is the prodigal For he wastefully or recklessly gives the younger son his share of the inheritance. And not only that, when the son returns from squandering this prodigal inheritance that he received from his dad, the father then goes and throws a prodigal feast in celebration of the son's return. He kills the prized cow for him. Second, 
the father does not allow the younger child to complete the second part of his prepared speech. The first part, which does get aired, is the confession of sin. The second part, which is cut off, is the request to treat me like one of your hired hands. The father is uninterested in such a relationship or arrangement. The father never demanded such a thing. The older brother reflects these same ideas in a different way. The older brother spent his life living according to the second part of the younger brother's speech. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. That's the code by which the older sibling lived all his life. For what end? For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet, you have never even given, you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. The older sibling wanted something from dad and felt like he never received it. The father replies to his older son's accusation and says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. There's the irony. The son had been with the father the entire time, his whole life, and yet he apparently did not know his dad. The older son accused the father of not giving him even a young goat. And yet this father is the same guy who gave his younger son an advance on his inheritance just because he asked. And it's the same guy who killed the fatted calf because his son returned home. The older brother failed to realize that his dad is a prodigal father and accused him rather of being stingy. Why did Jesus tell the parable in the first place about this wacky dad and seemingly disappointing sons? Listen to the first two verses again. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. It is in response to the accusation that Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them that Jesus tells this parable. The hot issue was the prodigal welcoming that Jesus demonstrated. The younger son fell victim to a voice that said, I am not welcome. Jesus shushed the voice by revealing how welcoming God is. No matter the mistakes the younger son made, no matter how great the cost it was to the father, the father celebrated the younger son's return with extravagant feasting. The older son felt victim to a voice that said, 
you are not welcome. The son created his rule and applied it to everyone, including his brother, and excluded whomever did not live up to his standard. And the father rejected it. Interestingly, by living this way, the older sibling refused to go into the party. The father had to go out to the older son and beg him to come in, trying to make him understand that the younger brother and the older brother are both welcome in the father's house. The father even applies a corrective to the older sibling's way of thinking. The older brother snaps at his father, but when this son of yours came back, you killed the fatted calf for him, to which the father replies intentionally, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. The older sibling tried to dismiss his brother as other. But the father brings them back into relationship and refuses to allow the older sibling to forget or ignore it. In the parable, it was the father's house. In our reality, it is God's house. To the father, to God, all are welcome. Some of us might identify with the younger sibling, while others might identify with the older sibling. And yet there are some who will resonate with both. What this parable offers us is understanding and a way forward. The lesson that the father taught to both his children is not that lavish, wasteful spending is okay. The parable reveals how God cherishes when that which is lost has been found. God will spare no expense to bind that which is broken, heal that which is hurt, and to restore that which is faded. The welcome the Father demonstrates in the parable reveals God's love for human persons over money and possessions. The claim that this is God's house and all are welcome is a step in a direction that aligns us with God's heart. This means that when we practice prodigal hospitality, we reflect the love that God has for all. We gain the eyes to see how the system and rules that are in place protect money and possessions more than people. We grow in faith and maybe even gain the courage to challenge such structures. God's prodigal love for us emboldens us to prioritize people over possessions and policies.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth as ambassadors for Christ, in whom we have new life. The God of reconciliation bless you. The grace of our Lord Jesus keep you. And the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you this day and forevermore. Amen.